When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey folks, and happy holidays. It's me, Miller. Listen, I'm not here as promised. I'm, uh, I've got Mama Frost here, and, and white boy Malcolm X is on his way over. I'm having to do this solo, but wanted to let you know that I've put together a little something for you. So 20 stories from August through the end of November that I thought you might want to have a listen to. Uh, for you that are new to the program, uh, give you a chance to catch up on some of my favorites, um, as well as kind of tease you uh, to listen to more. So hope everyone's having a great holiday, staying safe, and I will see you all back here on Sunday when we resume the podcast. Take care. That you still have privilege. Uh, you have white privilege. And speaking of which, because I love it when white people feel, look at this picture of this guy. What does he remind you of, white boy? Pajama boy, thank you. Remember the the, the pajama boy ad from, uh, I think it was an Obamacare ad. The pajama boy, this guy, his name is J. Eric Fisher. And this is from Lancaster Online. And he obviously read White Fragility and heard Oprah speak about white white privilege. And, you know, White Fragility is the book by that dopey chick that uh, basically white people are racist. You're always going to be racist. It uh, doesn't matter what you do. Even if you if you use the word uh, grandfathered or grandfathering, if you don't use the word, you're still a racist. If you do, no matter what you do, you're racist. So he read that. I Obviously, I think he did. And so he wrote this article, white members of LGBTQ community must lend support to their siblings of color. So he is flailing himself for us, ladies and gentlemen, and we are just going to enjoy the flailing. Let's go. Let's deep dive into J. Eric Fisher's article. This weekend, we marked the 50th... Huh? Okay, yeah, White Boy Malcolm X, he wants the accent, uh, the voice. Okay, this weekend, we marked the, this is why I'm self-loathing, folks. This weekend, we marked the 50th anniversary of LGBTQ pride in a historic and extremely important moment, which ought to be a reckoning within our own community. As people continue to march for black lives, we, and, and yes, he did put the black, the capital B in black, uh, as we continue to march for black lives, we in the LGBTQ community must acknowledge that we have our own sordid relationship with racism. Our too often sanitized celebrations of Pride Month, June, make it all too easy to forget, particularly for white queer folks like me, that we are all that we are recalling an uprising not unlike the one that black Americans and their allies are experiencing today. And like the Black Lives Matters uprisings occurring across the country and around the globe, the Stonewall uprisings, which began June 28, 1969, were led by our Black and Latino siblings. The truth, not acknowledged often or loudly enough, is that the LGBTQ community stole pride from the Black... Oh, shut up. Wait, did you know that, white boy Malcolm X? The the truth, not acknowledged often or loudly enough, is that the LGBTQ community stole pride from the black freedom movement. 
it is long past for us to clearly and consistently unite our movements with each other and all dispense people. White privilege, white boy Malcolm X, the white people came in and stole the black freedom. Is there no end to this white proof? I'm not reading this. I literally can't. I, I want to give me some fluff. Give me the fluff pile. Thank you. Hold on. Give me the fluff pile. This is a New York Post article. Seattle BLM protesters demand white people give up their homes. Great Caesar's ghost. A group of Black Lives Matter protesters in Seattle marched through a residential neighborhood this week demanding that white residents give up their homes dramatic video shows. Footage of the Wednesday demonstrations posted to Twitter that cesspool show a crowd of dozens chanting Black Lives Matter before an unidentified man projects his ire towards nearby white residents. And yes, the B in black is capitalized and the W in white is lowercase saying they are living in a historically black section of the city as another woman in the crowd yells that they should give up their homes, the clip shows. Do you know that before your white ass came here, <laughs> this was all black. Can you imagine if someone, a white person, said, before your black ass came here, racist, 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 they'd be screaming their asses off. Anyway, do you know that before your white ass came here, this was all black people, the man said. Do you know people like you came in here and basically bought all the land from the black people for less than what it was worth? Kick them out so you could live here. Do you know that? The man continues. Because if you don't, now you effing do. And he did not use the just the letter F. He said the whole thing. Now do something about it. Another woman in the crowd then urged residents to open their wallet as the man continues to yell at the unidentified residents off camera. So how do you plan to fix it? I like this guy. This guy is a... This guy is a piss riot. So how do you plan to fix it, the man says, as a gentrifier, because you are part of that problem. Can you imagine these poor white liberals? Do you know who goes into these neighborhoods? When I was living in Atlanta back in, I would say, the, the mid-90s, uh, when I moved to Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta from 93 to 97, and this was, uh, this was going on in, in Decatur, uh, in DeKalb County, uh, just to the east of Atlanta, and it was a lot of gays and lesbians going into these neighborhoods. So I wonder if that's the same thing here. Can you imagine all these queens? Now, I know the black man was not yelling at any lesbian because lesbian would just go down there and beat his ass and send him back to wherever the hell he's living now. He was probably yelling at, at the queens who are ready, no doubt, to self-flagellate like a lot of them do. I mean, we had, last week we had, where's that article? We had J. Eric Fisher from this article on, on Lancaster Online who is as big a pajama boy as ever who clearly read White Fragility, throwing the LGBTQ community under the bus because they stole pride from the black freedom movement. So if it's a bunch of queens sitting around, they probably will give up their houses. Like, oh, I shouldn't have stolen this house and spent all, shouldn't have bought that house for cheap and then fixed it up and spent all that time and money fixing it because I just stole it from a black person. Oh, I better get out of the house and better get out of the neighbor. Let's, let's go, Bruce. Let's pack up the car and go. That's what they're going to do. I, I have no doubt some of those stupid white people are going to give their houses back up. Kentucky man tries to sell four-year-old for $2,500 at gas station. How much is a four-year-old these days? About $2,500. Remember the old days when they would just put them on Craigslist? Now they sell them at the gas station. And this is in Kentucky. 
Kentucky State Police have charged a 29-year-old man with promoting child trafficking, accusing him of trying to sell a 4-year-old boy for $2,500 at a gas station. Harry Day was arrested Sunday after police responded to reports of a man trying to sell an African-American child at a Speedy Mart in Corbin, Kentucky. Can you see this? A 911, this is what I'm talking about. A 911 caller described Day's car and license plate, and police said they found the white Nissan parked along Spider Creek Road. Can you see this? 911, what's your emergency? Uh, I got an issue. There's like a, a man trying to sell a black child at the gas station, and the child's about $2,500. Oh, okay, thank you. State troopers found the boy at his mother's house along with <laughs> methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia. Well, if she's like my ex, she can like, that's not mine. I don't know what you're talking about. She was identified as Gertrude Henson, 26. Police said Day and Henson told officers they've been using methamphetamine. <laughs> they confessed. <laughs> God, meth addicts are so freaking stupid. Jesus Christmas. You know what? I feel bad for this kid. Don't get me wrong, but... Mom and dad, Harry and Gertrude, are meth junkies. I think if I were a four-year-old, I'd be like, Dad, why don't you sell me at the gas station? You could probably get about 2500 bucks because it's all uphill from there. Yeah, I'm just going to give you a trigger warning on this. God. This guy, he must masturbate to white fragility. So... This is from Neil Broverman, the digital editor-in-chief of The Advocate. So here's the headline. Part of raising black children is prepping them for pain. My son can't play with toy guns. That was a rule from when he first joined my family as our foster child. And it wasn't in place just because my husband and I had loaded firearms pointed at our faces in two separate, equally harrowing encounters. The decision to not have blasters in the house is a necessity. My son is capital B black, and he could <laughs> these folks with the capital B, and he could not be shot for holding one, especially by a police officer. The concern for his immediate safety wasn't originally a concern at all when it came to toy guns, at least for me, as a small white blonde obviously gay man. <laughs> and if you don't know what an obviously gay man is, I, I call them lispy wispies. Who would be an obviously gay man, white boy Malcolm X? Who? Ryan Ryan Seacrest. No, don't even go there. No, he is not. I mean, okay, we're just not going to touch that. As a small, white, blonde, obviously gay man, I'm rarely seen as a threat by anyone, including cops. It was my dark-skinned Latinx husband. And if you don't know what a Latinx is, this is how PC these folks are. Even though the guy said his son was black, not African-American. They're so PC, his husband is Latinx, which is a gender-neutral term for Latino or Latina. He's Latinx. It was my dark-skinned Latinx husband who initially worried that our toddler could be murdered for playing with plastic. <laughs> like most people of color, my husband... I'm not laughing at the idea of a toddler being murdered. I'm laughing at these two. These two drama queens. Oh, he can't play with the gun. The cops are going to burst in and shoot the poor little boy. Like most people of color, my husband has already experienced several frightening confrontations with the police. 
I, on the other hand, glided by on privilege for years, mouthing off to an officer after playing slots while underage, ultimately kicked out of the casino, not arrested, and let off the hook twice after being pulled over for a broken turn signal or forgetting to turn on my headlights. The brainwashing that led me to believe all police officers are harmless was sloughed off about a decade ago when the media finally covered the killing of black children by cops and security guards. But I didn't really get it. The fear, the danger, the harassment experienced by capital B black people encountering the police until my husband said our baby boy at four years old has a target on his back that will only get bigger as he does. Well, I, I mean, who can disagree with the fact? I mean, let's face it. The piggish racist cops love shooting black toddlers, the racist scum. So like I said, this guy must masturbate to, to, to white fragility. White boy Malcolm X... <laughs> Can you see this guy with his Latinx husband and his black kid in about 10 years? I'm so sorry that I'm white. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now that damn drama. I, I got to change the topic completely. I can't take this anymore. This is an advocate article. I hope you're sitting down, white boy Malcolm X. Yes, you are. Star Trek. Discovery casts first trans, non-binary role in franchise's history. I wonder if this is a tweet, Captain Kirk. You know, we had that story a couple of weeks ago where William Shatner was on Twitter talking about cisgendered something or other. So I wonder if they did this just to get back at him. Today, the producers of Star Trek Discovery announced that next season they will be introducing the first non-binary and transgender characters in the history of the Star Trek franchise. Non-binary character Adira, played by Blue Del Barrio, and transgender character Gray, played by trans actor Ian Alexander, will be beamed up when Star Trek Discovery kicks off Season 3 on CBS All Access on October 15th. Alexander, and in parentheses, they, them, and he, him, is best known for their roles in... But wait, he gets two sets of pronouns? They slash them and he slash... <laughs> I guess he goes... <laughs> It's confusing enough, folks. Look, if you're going to have your own special set of pronouns, you can't have two sets of them because someone's going to go, well, they, and they'll be like, well, no, I, I'm going by he today. And they're like, oh, for Christ's sakes, just make up your mind already. Alexander, they, them, and he, him, because he has to be twice as special than the rest of us, is best known for their roles as Buck View on Netflix's The OA, where he made history for being the first out trans-Asian American person to act on television. Star Trek Discovery has had several firsts. In 2017, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz became, and if you don't know who Anthony Rapp is, he's the guy that destroyed House of Cards. So he was like a teenager, and Kevin Spacey decided he wanted to have sex with him. <laughs> At the time, and, and Anthony held it in for many decades, and then just had to let it out right before the last season of House of Cards. So Kevin Spacey got fired, and we got that dumpster fire that was the last season of House of Cards. In 2017, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz became the first gay characters in same-sex marriage in the franchise's history. Additionally, Sanika Martin-Green made history as the first woman of color to lead a show in the history of the franchise. Star Trek has always made a mission of giving visibility to underrepresented communities because it believes in showing people that a future without division on the basis of race, gender, gender identity, or sexual orientation is entirely within our reach, Michelle Paradise, 
a co-showrunner and executive producer, said in a statement, We take pride in working closely with Blue Del Barrio, Ian Alexander, and Nick Adams at GLAAD to create the extraordinary characters of Adira and Gray and bring their stories to life with empathy, understanding, empowerment, and joy. So I can blame Nick Adams at GLAAD for trashing Star Trek. It's like, no, no, he's straight. Mm, He's white. Mm. They gotta go. Okay, moving on. Antifa commander with flamethrower burst into tears during arrest, cops say. An Antifa leader known as Commander Red, and yes, he is a ginger, was busted carrying a flamethrower to a Wisconsin Black Lives Matter rally and dropped into the fetal position and began crying when stopped by cops officials say. I guess I guess he was a peaceful protester, but the flamethrower... <laughs> It made him a mostly peaceful protester. And if you've seen a picture of this guy, his name is Matthew Bonta. He looks like a wussy pajama boy. Commander Red with his flamethrower. He's like, I'm going to I'm gonna just bust out that flamethrower today and just go down there and march. And then they come up to him. He's like, oh, don't arrest me. Matthew Banta, 23, of course, is known to be a violent Antifa member who incites violence and otherwise relatively peaceful protests, a criminal complaint in his Green Bay arrest record insisted, according to WBAY. He was carrying stickers and a flag for the controversial group, and yes, they have stickers for Antifa, the name of which is short for anti-fascist, along with military-grade five-minute smoke grenades, fireworks rockets, and a flamethrower, according to the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Banta was stopped after being spotted with a whole bunch of white people with stickers. There are never any black people at these Black Lives Matter protests. Where, where the hell are they? It's all a bunch of angry white people, like Commander Red. Banta was stopped after being spotted with a whole bunch of angry white people with sticks, baseball bats, and helmets for their mostly peaceful protests, heading towards a BLM event in Green Bay with no actual bees in there, police said in the criminal complaint. The others fled when a cop blocked them with his squad car, but Banta was stopped and dropped into the fetal position and began crying, the police report said. He complained that the officer got on top of him, which police denied, WBAY said. It's worrisome when people associated with Antifa come here to Green Bay from out of town for the purposes of committing violent acts, Green Bay Police Chief Andrew Smith told the station. That man's a fool. Doesn't he know these are peaceful protesters? Commander Red is a peaceful protester. He's just mostly peaceful because he's got a flamethrower. But he didn't use it. He just cried like a little bitch. Are you ready for this, White Boy Malcolm X? Gay leather bar stormed by COVID SWAT team after drag queen rivals sent a fake complaint about kink party. Hmm... The Baltimore Eagle was raided by authorities who said they were investigating after receiving complaints about the business's dealings, the Washington Blade reports. Ian Parrish, the bar's owner, told the publication that he became aware of the fake complaints ahead of the raid when he saw drag performers from a competing venue discussing their plans openly on Facebook. He said he contacted the Baltimore Board of Liquor and told them that the complaints were being faked by rival (laughs) drag performers. But the raid went ahead. You see this guy calling Baltimore Board of Liquor. He'd be like, 
uh, these drag queens are, they're going to be filing fake complaints. You got to help me. They're, they're, they're fake. They're not real. Uh, okay. Parrish and the bar's customers were terrified when a team of 12 people wearing black body armor began the raid on August 7th. Why didn't they think that was just some sort of gay bachelor party walking into the Eagle? Oh, look at those boys. They've got black body armor. Ooh, how sexy. The horde of agents in body armor walked through me, Paris wrote in a letter to Senator Mary Washington, which was seen by the blade. I was ping-ponged from side to side as each agent physically pushed me from left to right and back about 10 feet as they forced their way past me, he added. Is that a complaint or is he bragging? He back. Look at I got, boys. He alleged that the team abused their authority during the raid with their SWAT-style show of force. A health department spoke... <laughs> yes, this gets worse. A health department spokesperson confirmed that the raid was carried out by members of the Baltimore Social Club Task Force after they received a number of complaints from drag queens that the bar was violating social distancing guidelines. He said that people had complained over a foam party. And if you don't know what a foam party is, folks, it's like, I, I've i never been to one. So I, what I hear, no, no, I have not been to one. I'm being dead serious. I have been invited to them, but I'm like, yeah, I think I, you know, the, the classy part of the gay community. I'm thinking, I think I'll pass on that. They, 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 like, I don't know, Dawn dish foam. They just pump foam into a room and God knows what the queens in there do, but that's what they do. They just, I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't want to know what they do in there. He said people had complained over a foam party that urged customers to wear harnesses, I guess that's what they do, and get naughty under safe antibacterial foam on their patio. So it goes, Phew. I don't have to worry about catching COVID. I might catch herpes or syphilis or gonorrhea or, or HIV, but I'm not going to catch the, I'm not going to catch the COVID. So uh, y- yes, you don't see straight people doing this. <laughs> you don't ever hear of a straight, you know, it's like, Hey, bud, let's go down to that. Let's go pick up some chicks at the, at the foam party down at Dave and Buster's. You don't see straight guys don't do that. No, it's a bunch of queens. In an email, the council member, Ryan Dorsey, Parrish said, what was actually relevant about the theme was that it was a threat to the competing venues. Before. So you're like, you got a foam party or you can go see a drag show. And, you know, I guess in Baltimore, you're 50-50. You're like, oh, God, I really want to go to that foam party. But crap, you got drag queens so i i guess that it's a vicious competition in baltimore drag queens and phone parties what was actually relevant about the theme was that it was a threat to a competing venues performers to the point that they openly discussed in the very same facebook post that their plan to file false complaints which they did and again i personally made the authorities aware of this prior to the raid paris refused to name the group of drag queens that he believes orchestrated the raid well it's apparently it's on facebook saying I think this story has a real chance of just touching off more negativity and a bigger problem. I'm not trying to point fingers, even though these people really frightened our patrons and affected our business. But we're talking to them since this whole incident. We started talking. We're really not trying to go backwards to inflame anyone. Too late, buddy. I wouldn't want to mess with these sort of... I mean, drag queens can be kind of bitchy and... I mean, queens in general can be bitchy and vindictive but drag queens i mean you're talking three times as much so I, let me give you a, let me give you a little piece of advice there ian you know you can you show weakness to these folks and they're just gonna double and triple down i mean man up for christ's sakes you own the eagle <laughs> you own like the, the the whatever the tough bar in town and you're like cowering in fear like a little bitch because some drag queens called the cops i mean hell they sent over 12 you know police officers wearing black body armor bouncing 
bouncing you around like a little ping pong ball. So I don't know what you're complaining about, but just act like a man and fire back. Last one, White Boy Malcolm X. The last gay story of this week. White gay men. (laughs) Not just gay men, white gay men. So it's, you know, this is the perfect story. We're getting into race. So this is the perfect story to kind of transition from gay to gay to race. White gay men refuse to stop partying during global pandemic that's killed 180,000 in the U.S. alone. (laughs) You damn white queen. Stop it. Across digital flyers and social media posts, the organizers of the Peach Party Atlanta 2020 urge attendees to come wearing face coverings and practice social distancing. Yet as much as the four-day festival was billed as a dialed-down affair, video footage taken at the sold-out circuit parties showed a vastly different story. At the August 28 Peach Party Tea Dance held at Atlanta LGBT Plus Club Heretic, I have never been to the Heretic, but they used to call it the Hairy Dick. I, I, I don't know. I've never been in there. I don't know why. It's a kind of a sleaze bar from what I understand, but I've never been in. So here it is right there, the Hairy Dick. <laughs> Scores of, I, well, you are checking off the, uh, the, the profanity box again this week, I assume. Scores of party goers stuffed into the 1,000. <laughs> Girls, just get in here. Just keep stuffing them in there. Into the 1,000 square foot wide space across three patios, fans occasionally dotted the dance floor. Despite signs instructing party goers to maintain a distance as well as wear masks, the dance area was rammed. <laughs> they were rammed and they were stuffed with countless men, white men no doubt, pressed up against one another and barely anyone was wearing a mask. Similar scenes took place at a second Peach Party event held at the Harry Dick the following night, as well as another event at District Atlanta on August 30, according to social media videos uploaded by attendees. Just one event was held outdoors. The other six were in nightclubs, spaces considered by health experts as Petri dishes for the coronavirus. And that's not all. For nine years, Peach Party has been a highlight of the Georgia Circuit Party calendar, and a crucial way for the city's LGBT plus community to blow off steam. And I have absolutely no idea what that means. There are a lot of jokes there. I'm just not going to touch that, I don't think. I I have lived in Atlanta twice, and I was back there, when was that, 2013 to 14, I think? 14 to 15. I can't, I can't remember anymore. But I had, I don't go to, I've never been to a circuit party. It's like, Tons. My ex would go to them. And apparently it's like thousands and thousands of drugged out, drunk, you know, queens raging the night away. So that's that's what they're getting here at the at the Harry Dick. Coronavirus be damned. But just a bunch of white people. We don't want that. God forbid. My, how the big cities go right to hell quickly. Seattle pays ex-pimp, ex-pimp white boy Malcolm X. He's no longer a pimp, but he's an ex-pimp. $150,000 to offer alternatives to policing. I can only imagine, so let's dig in. Seattle now has on its payroll a convicted pimp who once vowed to go to war with the city. A $150,000 street czar. <laughs> Whose mission, you can't make this crap up. Whose mission is to come up with alternatives to policing, reports said. Andre Taylor, who appeared in the documentary American Pimp about his life as Gorgeous Dre 
That's his pimp name, White Boy Malcolm X. Gorgeous Dre is getting $12,500 per month for a year, along with an office in Seattle's Municipal Tower, which I'm surprised they haven't burned to the ground, according to the contract published by Publicola. It comes just a year after his organization, not this time, was paid $100,000 to sponsor a speaker series that was called Conversations with the Streets. Taylor led one of the first rallies in Seattle after the police custody death of George Floyd. Blah, blah, blah. They always have to throw that in there. The new street czar justified the contract to KOMO News as payment for his particular genius in a particular area. I bet, saying he can talk to gang members, pimps, and prostitutes who won't sit down with anybody else. Black people as a whole have not been in a place to be compensated for their genius or their work for a very, very long time, he said. Not too many people can go talk to gangbangers in their territory and then go talk to the government in their territory, Taylor told the Seattle Times. He is a, you know what he is, White Boy Malcolm X? Gorgeous Dre? He is a whore to the man. He is a, he is, he's a whore to the man. 150, and he's a cheap whore. 150, I tell you what, Al Sharpton would not take $150,000 from the city of New York. Jesse Jackson would not have taken $150,000 from the city of Chicago. Uh Uh-uh. They may be whores, but they certainly aren't this cheap. $150,000 for Gorgeous Dre. To talk to pimps and gangbangers and government employees who are all horse too. Speaking of underage sex, God, every week, here's another one. Wisconsin school worker jailed for exposing herself to student. A former Wisconsin school staffer accused of sexually abusing a 16-year-old student was sentenced to six months in jail with a judge brandishing her the nightmare of every parent. Courtney Rosnowski, 32, pleaded no contest to one count of exposing intimate parts to a child under a plea deal that saw the most serious charge of sexual assault dropped, WLUK-TV reported. You are, frankly, the nightmare of every parent, the judge railed during Friday sentencing, because what a parent assumes is that their child is in a safe environment with trusting people. Mm-mm, not in this day and age, because those teachers are banging those students left and right. She admitted to starting a sexual relationship with a student in July 2019 after acting as his mentor, according to the police report. The boy confirmed he had two sexual encounters with Rosnowski, who allegedly told him he was special and deserved special things. Kind of like the woman that told the boy she was b- banging that he had a bigger, you know, Johnson than her husband. <laughs> he also told detectives, well, it's every kid's dream to do a teacher. <laughs> to the report. <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, not Anthony Rapp, folks. And if you don't know who Anthony Rapp is, he's the guy that ruined House of Cards, and he was also on that very gay TV show, Star Trek Discovery. I actually feel bad for Kevin Spacey at this point. I really do. I, I do. I feel, I feel bad for the guy. He's literally the only person out there who hit on a teenager and didn't get lucky. I mean, he... He didn't even get to first base with Anthony Rapp, and he has lost his career, and Anthony is going to sue him into oblivion. And every other teenage boy is bebopping their way <laughs> through every cougar out there. I mean, Courtney is 32, and the other one was, what, in her 40s? They're banging these kids left and right, and no one says anything. And Gavin was, what, 26 hits on the other hits on Anthony. There was like a 12-year age difference. He doesn't get to first base, and, and his life is ruined over it. Just, just to my summit mistress, I, I promise you, I did not have to go looking for this story whatsoever. This one just fell right into my lap. 
and it is from the New Orleans Time Picune, or however, however you pronounce it down there in New Orleans. Priest recorded having group sex on altar of Pearl River Church, police say. Three arrested. The lights inside Saints Peter and Paul Roman Catholic Church in Pearl River were on later than usual on September 30th, so a passerby stopped to take a closer look. Peering inside, the onlooker saw the small parish's pastor, half-naked, having sex with two women on the altar, according to court documents. And that, I think, is just a kind of a bit of a trade-up. Well, it, it, it is. I mean, it's not like he's having sex with two teenage boys. Speaking of which, you notice something? I guess all the, the teachers are on break this week because I had no news stories. This is probably the first week, and oh, it's been a couple weeks, where some 30-, 40-year-old cougar has not gone out and banged some 16-year-old stud and gotten arrested for it. So we don't have any of that. So I guess we've got this, where a pastor is having sex with two women. This is, this is all we have, folks. I'm sorry. The women were dressed in corsets and high-heeled boots. They were sex toys and stage lighting, and a mobile phone was mounted on a tripod recording it all. The eyewitness took a video and called, (laughs) I bet they did, and called the Pearl River Police, who arrived at the church and viewed that recording. Officers then arrested the Reverend Travis Clark, pastor of Saints Peter and Paul since 2019, on obscenity charges. The Archdiocese of Nolens announced the priest's arrest October 1st, but would not give specifics about why he was arrested, nor would the police. New details, however, have emerged in court filings that paint a lurid picture of a priest recording himself engaged in sexual role play while desecrating a sacred place within the church. Public records additionally show that one of the women, Mindy Dixon, 41, is an adult film actor who also works for hire as a dominatrix. On a social media account associated with Dixon, a September 29th post said she was on her way to the New Orleans area to meet another dominatrix and defile a house of God. <gasps> Dixon and Melissa Chang, 23, were booked on the same count as Clark, 37. Police said the charge stems from an obscene act that occurred on the altar, which is clearly visible from the street. The, I know, because someone's going by and filming it for their pleasure. The arrests marked the latest scandal to befall the Archdiocese of New Orleans after a different North Shore priest, the Reverend Pat Waddingly, reportedly disclosed on October 1st to Archbishop Gregory Amond that he had sexually abused a minor in 2013. Can you imagine being the Archbishop? You got one banging two dominatrix hookers on the altar and another one banging some boy. He's probably like, oh, crap. We probably need some, like, miracle. <laughs> That's why. That is why the Catholic Church is trying to get, like, to get a, a millennial saint because they want to kind of, you know, push this stuff under the rug. Anyway, picking back up. Amon removed Waddingly from public ministry last week and added him to the Archdiocese list of clergy. I bet that is a very, very, very long list whom the church believes have been credibly accused of molestation. The Archdiocese would not comment Thursday on Clark's arrest, saying authorities were investigating the matter. Well, yes, this of course goes on. (laughs) But not for long. Officers determined everything that had happened was consensual, but they arrested Clark, Chang, and Dixon on accusations that the three had broken a law prohibiting people from having sex within public view. Police said they confiscated the sex toys and camera equipment as evidence. And this, see, this wasn't even in Florida. <laughs> so, well, if it's not Florida, it's Louisiana or New Hampshire. So, you know, I wonder with the sex toy wipe on Malcolm X, because we had the story last week of that New Jersey police department. And the um, it was the internal affairs officer for like a decade walked around with this ginormous dildo they called Big Blue. <laughs> and he would like wave it at people and throw it at people. And they had to pay it like 
what, $2.5 million in fines to all these people who were sexually harassed. I wonder if that's where he got Big Blue was like some, some bust, like a kinky, uh, you know, like a, a, a priest with his two dresses. <laughs> This is from the Daily Mail. Macho father who wanted son to be boxer reveals how he accepted 11-year-old's dream to perform as UK's youngest drag queen after dressing up in his mother's clothes aged eight. When Fabian Butler was born, his loving dad Darren held him and dreamed of the man he would grow up to be, how he would play football with him and teach him how to box, just like he loved as a child. But by age eight, the youngster from Gwent, South Wales, had ditched the sports fields and told his horrified father that he wanted to dress up in his mom's clothes. (laughs) Trying everything in his power to talk his son out of this latest phase, Darren felt uncomfortable about what his friends would think about his son's alter ego. Now aged 11, Fabian performs as one of the country's youngest drag queens as alter ego Francesca Valley, and Darren happily takes him to gigs and even helps him choose his outfits. Darren, a machine operator, said, I was the opposite when I was younger. When you have your first boy, you have expectations. I used to box as a kid, so I always hoped he would grow up and want to pursue boxing. I would take him to play football with me, and you could see that it wasn't for him. When he started dressing up, I was in denial. I just thought it was kids being kids (laughs) at age like that. (laughs) Wasn't kids being kids when I was growing up. I just thought he was going through a phase, but when I spoke to my wife about it and realized that it wasn't a phase, I was hurt. She persuaded me to go to his first performance. I really didn't want to go, but as soon as I saw how happy he was on stage, I could see how much it meant to him. It brought a tear to my eye, and I realized he can't live his life through my eyes. He has to live his dream, not my dreams. I am the proudest dad in the world. Aww. See, that's very, that's very heartwarming, White Boy Malcolm X. And, and the guy even helps, helps his son pick out his clothes. But look, I mean, seriously, look at this. Exactly. This kid, he, how do I describe it? He looks like a hooker. He looks like a cheap, you watch these movies from like the 1980s and the stereotypical hooker with the sequins and the short. This is what this kid looks like. He looks like a cheap hooker. So dad's, dad, if you're going to be a drag queen, at least be a classy drag queen. I don't know what it is with the, the default for drag queens is, is road whore. But there you go. Kid's 11 years old and he dresses like a prostitute. <laughs> This is an interesting story. Listen to this. Here's the headline. Long Island restaurateur allegedly beat and hurled gay slurs at staffer. And this is from the New York Post. A Long Island restaurateur berated and beat a gay employee in front of other staffers after he wore the wrong shoes to work, slugging him so hard a tooth flew from his mouth as he barked, effing faggot, I'll murder you, according to a new federal lawsuit. (laughs) What queen wears the wrong shoes to work? That's what we're known for. Good footwear. On November 15th, 2019, Emilio's Pizzeria and Restaurante owner Emilio Branchinelli, who has launched at least five Long Island eateries in the last decade, noticed that waiter Michael Abinetti was wearing black Converse sneakers, according to the complaint filed in Brooklyn Federal Court on Friday. Branchinelli ordered the server, who was hired at the Kamak restaurant in late 2017, to buy new shoes on his break or find another effing job, wrote attorney John Luke Jr. in the complaint. But when Abinetti returned with a new pair, an enraged Branchinelli told him they were not the right shoes. You look like an effing homo mountain climber. (laughs) Are you effing stupid, his boss allegedly admonished. You and your 
blank mother both should have died when she pushed you out. And blank mother, it's, well, what do you say? See you next Tuesday. So it rhymes with runt. So you and your blank mother, damn, he was unhappy about those shoes. <laughs> the disturbing tirade continued as Branchinelli chased the waiter from the restaurant, allegedly kicking him in the lower back and punching him in the face so hard he spit out a tooth, the complaint alleges. After the humiliating assault, Abinetti never returned to the restaurant where he allegedly faced harassment and discrimination from the moment he was hired. The kitchen staff allegedly called him culero, a Spanish slur for a homosexual, and whistled at him, blew him kisses, and slapped his behind the papers allege. He repeatedly complained to management, but nothing was done, the filing states. Oh, this gets worse, white boy Malcolm X. Waitress Sabrina Kaminsky, who was hired in June 2019, was another victim of sexual harassment and discrimination while employed at the restaurant, according to the suit. She was subjected to groping and a barrage of sickening comments from the kitchen staff, including, I want to put a baby inside you, and you like it in the ass, the lawsuit charges. <laughs> what kind of dumpster fire restaurant was this? Emilio's Pizzeria and Restaurante. Good Lord. White Boy Malcolm X, I have a question for you, because I don't care about the woman. You know, we're not going to worry about that. But in the scheme of victimhood, who's going to win this battle, right? Because you have the gay waiter who apparently cannot pick out a pair of shoes, so he should probably lose his gay card if what Emilio is saying is true. Or you've got the Latinx staff. So you've got gay versus Latino. So we got to figure out who's going to be, who's the bigger, you think the gay guy is the bigger victim there. Interesting. We know, you don't know. We just we don't know right now. So we'll have to figure that out in, once this thing gets to court. Uh-oh. This is my... Uh, now we got a couple more race stories. Two. Two more race stories and then we're done. This is a funny one. There's the headline. And this is from the AP. San Francisco officials to vote on Karen Law to stop 911 calls against black people not committing crime. <laughs> in San Francisco, folks. Fed up with white people calling 911 about people of color selling water bottles, barbecuing, or otherwise going about with life, San Francisco supervisors are set to approve new hate crime legislation giving the targets of those calls the ability to sue the caller. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors, which is about as nutty as they get, will vote Tuesday on the Caution Against Racial and Exploitative Non-Emergencies Act, also known as the Karen Legislation, and that's C-A-R-E-N. The name is a nod to the widespread meme using the name Karen to describe a specific type of white middle-aged woman who exhibits behaviors that stem from privilege, such as using police to target people of color. All 11 supervisors have signed on to the legislation, guaranteeing its passage, despite criticism by some that the name is sexist and unnecessarily divisive. In San Francisco, a white couple was criticized on social media after video was widely shared of their questioning a Filipino-American stenciling Black Lives Matter in front of his own home in June. They later called police. James Juanilo said he deliberately chose yellow chalk to match the color of the house and centered the stencil just so to be framed by the picture box window. Then a couple approached him, repeatedly demanding to know if it was his home because he was defacing private property. They tried to cast it as a criminal scene, he said, it was me calmly applying chalk, not spray paint, not in the middle of the night, but very deliberately. The only thing that was missing was a Pinot Grigio. White boy Malcolm X. <laughs> well, it is San Francisco. He's got to be a queen. Juanilo says he hopes the legislation will caution people in the future against turning to 911. Shaman Walton, the supervisor who introduced the legislation, said 911 calls and emergency reports are not customer service lines for racist behavior. 
People of color have the right to do everyday activities and should not be subject to being harassed due to someone's racial bias. Walton, who is black, and he or she is capital B black, so you know they're black, reeled off examples where minorities have suffered from bogus claims, including Emmett Till, a black teenager beaten to death in 1955 after accusations by a white woman who was later admitted to lying. So yes, folks, that was what, uh, 65 years ago. Yeah, so she has an example. He or she has an example, 65 years old. But they got an example of those evil white people. It is crushing to be confronted by police, say supporters of the legislation, because someone saw you as a threat, possibly criminal or as not belonging. It is especially terrifying for black people for whom encounters with police could end in violence. This is not hyperbole, said Brittany Chiquata, chief of staff at the city's Human Rights Commission, which is about as unfun a group as you could get. This is an established pattern reflected in the disparate treatment of black people and other people of color in our city and in our country. You know, White Boy Malcolm X, this reminds me of an article we had, what, about a month and a half, two months ago, maybe? I, I didn't dig it up, but I should have. But she was, it was a young transgender girl and was complaining about racism and sexism and homophobia and all sorts of isms going on in San Francisco. And we were kind of making fun of her because, not because she was transgender, but because I was like, well, San Francisco is one of the most flamingly liberal cities in, in the world. And she's crying about racism at every corner of San Francisco. But now I, I might have to apologize. And I'm I'm starting to see white boy Malcolm X. I, I think right here, I think I finally figured out why so many minorities believe that there is systemic racism in this country. And it's because of white liberals. <laughs> so I mean these white liberals in San Francisco are calling the police on on their on their minority neighbors and then they they have the nerve to complain about all the rest of us, you know, those evil Republicans. They're just they're those evil conservatives. They're just they're all the racists and they're all they're all closet Nazis. And every time they open their mouth, they're just spewing some sort of racism like Blue Lives Matter. But but folks, the systemic racism is apparently alive and well and just infesting every corner of San Francisco. I mean, when you when you have the board of supervisors putting up a Karen law so that that the black people can sue the white people for calling the cops on them. I mean, now we know where all the systemic racism is coming from. This is from Variety. Love Island, set for French-language Canadian version. And I've never watched Love Island. Have you watched Love Island? No. Well, yeah, I know that white boy Malcolm X is over there about hunky boys, but I'm like, yeah, I don't... that. No. ITV Studios' smash hit reality format, Love Island, is finally getting a localized version in Canada. Canada's Quebec Corps content has commissioned a French-language version of the program, which marks its 19th local adaptation. The franchise recently announced commissions in Spain, Nigeria, and Italy. Now, that would be interesting. Nigerian Love Island. And when they're not making love, they're sending (laughs) Americans fake emails. Love Island features a group of single islanders who come together in a spectacular setting, ready to embark on a summer of love, friendships, and ultimately relationships. Every few days, the islanders must couple up, and those who fail to find a partner are at risk of being evicted from the island. Ultimately, one couple gets the opportunity to leave with a relationship and a cash prize. You know, White Boy Malcolm X, I'm not even going to bother to read the rest of the article, but (laughs) I just see this image. It's it's the French-Canadian version. So I just figure it's a bunch of gay guys <laughs> and these 
And these poor women, you know, because, you know, the boys are all going to hook up with each other because they're French and they're Canadian, they're Quebecois, whatever they call themselves. And so all the women are going to be sitting around because they have to hook up or they're going to get thrown off the island. So it's like the women are like, what am I supposed to do? All the men are screwing each other. Honey, I don't know what to tell you. I guess you can go to Puerto Rico and masturbate. And I actually only have one race article, White Boy Malcolm X, and this is from the Sacramento Bay. Black California state employees find racial slurs written on cards on their desks. Three California state employees found racial slurs written on cards on their desks when they arrived at work Friday morning at their West Sacramento office. Small note cards on the desks of two black men at the Office of State Publishing each contain the N-word, according to the employees. A white man with photos of his black wife and daughter also found a card with the N-word on his desk. I'm a little blown away, said Michael Fletcher, 53, a heavy truck driver who was one of the black men affected. I'm still trying to process it. C.J. Brown, a white warehouse worker at the office, was the first to discover the cards when he arrived at 6.30 a.m. I've never seen anything like it, Brown said. It's like something you see in movies regarding high school children. Brown said his supervisor, a black man, was the third person who found a card on his desk. The supervisor reported the incident to one of his superiors, and someone called the California Highway Patrol, Brown said. This white boy Malcolm X makes absolutely no sense to me. First off, what are black people doing calling the police? Because everyone knows when the police show up, they're just going to shoot the black people because they're just, that's, they are the enforcer of systemic racism. Everyone knows that. Secondly, why would you call the California Highway Patrol for something that happened in an office? So if you're driving along and you get in a car wreck, I can see calling the California Highway Patrol, but you're sitting in your office and there's a little card on it that has the N-word on it. And you're like, let's not call the sheriff. Let's not call the police. Let's call chips. <laughs> I think Eric Estrada is not going to show up. <laughs> no, he is not going to show up to this office. Let's pick back up on the article. Eric Estrada. He said the chip came. So <laughs> the California Highway Patrol just said, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll come to the office and handle that for you. Uh, and spoke with people in the office, but determined a crime hadn't been committed. And there you go, folks. And you wonder why I say the police are the, the guardians and the enforcers of systemic racism. They called the California Highway Patrol for something that happened in an office. They showed up, and it was not Eric Estrada. And they looked at the N-word, and they're like, eh, there's no crime here. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Chip couldn't immediately provide more information to the Sacramento Bay. The office ended up letting everyone leave work early this afternoon, Fletcher and Brown said. Department of General Services spokeswoman Monica Hassan said in an email that the department referred the matter to state law enforcement and launched an internal investigation. Hassan said the department has offered impacted workers paid time off and other resources to cope with any trauma. Fletcher says he believes the notes are connected to the presidential election, which has created tension in the office. At one point, upset after President Donald Trump refused to clearly condemn white supremacy during the first presidential debate, that's where creepy Uncle Joe brought up the Proud Boys, which isn't a white supremacist group, but Joe Biden is so out of it, he, you know, he labeled a group run by a Latino, a white supremacist group. <laughs> He complained about a senior manager who had a Trump bumper sticker on his personal vehicle, he said. And that, folks, is where we're going in this country. So that office has a little bit of tension in it because of the political race, which is odd in California because I figure they all vote for, for Biden anyway. But 
This guy shows up to work with a Trump bumper sticker, and this tattletale goes and runs crying. He's got a Trump bumper sticker on, on his car. That means he's a racist and a white supremacist. <laughs> God, what a little bitch. The International Union of Operating Engineers, which represent Fletcher and Brown, and Fletcher, folks, is that little bitch tattletale, <laughs> plans to file a health and safety grievance, Union Representative Brandy Johnson said. Fletcher and Brown each said they hadn't experienced racism at the office before. Well, that seems odd. I mean, you've got a senior manager with a Trump bumper sticker on his car. But Fletcher, the tattletale little bitch, said there are very few black people in upper management and characterized the office culture as old school, describing another incident in which a racial slur was casually used without repercussions. So white boy Malcolm X, what are the because you're fake black, so you might you might know this. What do you think the odds are that one of these three, that one of these three with the N-word card on their desk is the one that put the N-word card on the desk? And I'm sure some of you out there are like, oh, how dare you accuse someone of doing something like this? But, but folks, this does happen on a somewhat regular basis. Now, granted, it tends to happen on college campuses where those hysterical kids run around and they do these things to show the, the uh, what could happen to them at some point, but... You know, if they want to get out of like a homework assignment or something, they'll hang like a noose outside their door. They'll write the N-word on their door. And they run around crying about systemic racism. And then they get caught about it. And they're like, well, I just wanted to call attention to the matter. So it's not really my fault. And they never get punished for it. So I'm sure one of these guys just wanted a couple of extra days off. And so he can claim mental anguish at having the N-word on his desk. I can't believe that little bitch tattled about a guy with a Donald. First off, the guy, the, the senior manager showed up with a Donald Trump sticker. You had to drive around with a Donald Trump sticker on your car in California. You are, you are one brave soul. <laughs> but I mean, to have this guy like tattletale on him. I mean. Oh, Marcy, this is this story might get me in trouble. Millions of women don't know where their own vagina is located. <laughs> is it here? No. Is it here? No, that's your breasts. Oh, is it here? No. Ladies, it might be time to take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask, what is that? An estimated one-fourth of U.S. women don't know where the vagina is, according to a new poll conducted by OnePoll, which found that 46% of ladies couldn't point out the cervix and 59% suggested a different body part when asked to identify the uterus. Only 1 in 10 women passed the anatomy quiz, asking them to name all the parts of a female reproductive diagram. I think men, white boy Malcolm X, not to be sexist, but I think men, we got that down, but we can name all, the, <laughs> all our parts. I bet we could do that. Intamina, the Swedish women's health company that commissioned the study, included responses from 2,000 women. A spokesperson said the brand hoped to reveal a critical gap in American education. So this is an anti-American survey. The fact that it's Swedish. We know. We know where our vaginas are. But those stupid Americans don't. <laughs> The fact that nearly one in four women in the survey misidentified the vagina and 46% could not correctly identify the cervix shows we need to keep educating the public about how the reproductive systems, its monthly processes, and hormonal changes can impact a woman's life, says Danella Zager, Intima's global brand manager in a blog post on the website. One poll also asked women to describe the menstrual cycle and found many were confounded by the process. I... 
I have I have a hard time White Boy Malcolm X believing that. I think you would you would know the process. <laughs> I think you'd have that process down pretty quickly. Some described periods as a detoxification, like a periodical body reset button or something that got rid of bacteria. <laughs> a quarter of responses describe periods more appropriately as the process a woman's body goes through to shed excess blood. However, 63% of women more accurately explain that the body is shedding its uterine lining. Menopause was not understood well either, with 13% defining menopause as a term to describe a missed period, while 10% figured it had something to do with turning 40. While age is a factor, the number does not indicate when or why menopause takes place. Women were divided on who to blame for their poor understanding of their own bodies. So White Boy Malcolm X, before I even read this off, do you think they took any responsibility? Okay, you're right. No, they did not. Listen to this, folks. 36% said their teachers failed. 28% resented parents. And 27% called for better public education standards. So they blamed someone else. I mean, really? Ladies, if you're out there and you're like, what's this? If you don't know what your vagina is, first of all, you got to figure that out. Second of all, if you don't know, don't blame someone else for that. It's right there. It's with you all the time. It, it, literally, you're, you're, you're using that thing a couple times. Every time you go to the bathroom, you know, you're using that area of your body. You don't look down and, and get a little curious. It's your parents' fault. It's your teacher's fault. We're out of Florida now. We finally left Florida. We're not going to Louisiana. Or we're not going to Oklahoma. We are actually going to Connecticut for this one. Accused tree humper busted on High Street. A half-dressed Connecticut man who was spotted humping trees in a stranger's backyard is behind bars on multiple charges record show. According to Nagatuck Police Department report, officers were dispatched Thursday afternoon to a residence on High Street after a 911 caller reported there was an unknown male in a backyard, half-dressed, humping trees, <laughs> screaming, and eating branches. Man, he had it all going on there. I wonder what, what half was not dressed. <laughs> but, well, yes, if he's... Yes, if he's, if, he's, um, if he's humping trees, he's probably dressed... He's just like the people at the sex cult, right? They're dressed from the top up. <laughs> But this guy was going at the trees and eating the branches. So he's really having a good time there. Yummy. When cops arrived, the suspect ran into a neighboring house, causing its inhabitants to flee their home in fear. Well, the guy is a, he rapes trees and screams. And he probably had like tree branches hanging out of his mouth. Foam. The intruder, identified as John Figner, 36, subsequently exited the residence and was placed under arrest. While in custody, Figner allegedly spat at and assaulted police, resulting in a felony charge being filed against him, along with a misdemeanor breach of peace, resisting and trespassing counsel. Well, that is, to me, White Boy Macabax, it's adding insult to injury, because I think assaulting the police is fine, because we all know that they are the enforcers of systemic racism, and all they do is drive around and shoot black people. So that was fine, but, you know, he did that, and what do they do? They charge him with a felony for doing it. So, I mean, they really kind of... You know, that is that is why they call it systemic racism. Fignar has two other pending criminal cases. <laughs> of course, because raping trees isn't enough. He was arrested in August for assault and breach of peace, but we don't know if that was another tree or not, and was busted in September for marijuana possession, breach of peace, and resisting. 
This is from the Philadelphia Gay News, and here is the headline. Gay couple sues Barr for negligence and lack of consortium. And if you don't know what consortium means, that means getting to do the dirty. Louis Lanny Jr. and his husband, Michael Connor, recently filed suit against Tavern on KMAC, alleging negligence and loss of consortium after Lanny allegedly was assaulted by a patron in the bar in 2018. Loss of consortium is defined, here we go, as deprivation of the benefits of a family relationship, including affection and sexual relations due to injuries caused by a tortfeasor. Told you, can't have sex. Tavern on Kmac, an LGBT-oriented bar and restaurant known for its piano sing-alongs and dance parties, is located at 243 South Kmac Street in the Gaberhood. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you will know, folks, that the Gaberhood in Philadelphia reeks of systemic racism. Those white queens in Philadelphia are the biggest pack of Klansmen you will ever find anywhere. Around 1 a.m. September 30th, 2018, and what do I always say? Nothing good comes from being out after midnight, and apparently this is the case as well. Paige Zubel allegedly assaulted Lanny while they were inside Tavern on KMAC. The Philadelphia Police Department released a narrative of the incident as documented on a police report. While on the 200 block of South Kamek Street at 1.09 a.m., a 23-year-old female victim stated that while in a verbal disagreement over politics with a white male, 40 to 50 years of age, wearing a white suit jacket, the male became aggressive and scratched the back of her neck with his fingernails. Man! While trying to shove her away, the report states. The male was not on location upon police arrival, and the victim refused medical treatment. No further information. The men's lawsuit provides a narrative at variance with the police report. So now, white boy, welcome next. Now we get to the good stuff. We get the Queen's version. Paige Zubel was visibly intoxicated while on defendant's premises, including dropping alcoholic beverages, staggering, swaying, slurred speech, bloodshot eyes, and boisterous, profane behavior, the lawsuit alleges. So she sounds just like a typical fag hag, if you ask me. Nevertheless, bartenders continue to serve Zubel alcohol. Despite her visible intoxication, defendant Paige Zubel was served numerous voluminous additional intoxicating beverages, the lawsuit states. So she's a lush. Without provocation and in the presence of bar personnel, Zubel allegedly assaulted Lanny by profanely screaming at him, hitting him on the chest and shoulder, kicking him in the left knee, and throwing drinks at him, the lawsuit asserts. Due to the alleged assault, Lanny suffered damage to his left knee, resulting in an instability that caused him to fall and injure his face, requiring sutures. Well, where were his hands, white boy Malcolm X? If she kicks him in the knee and he goes down and smacks his face, what the hell was... <laughs> He's probably holding his cocktails. I'm not dropping this, bitches. Additionally, Lanny sustained a tooth fracture and injuries to his left shoulder and left hip. Moreover, he sustained a torn rotator cuff that required arthroscopic repair with permanent post-operative scarring, according to the lawsuit. Jesus Christmas. This queen took quite a tumble. The lawsuit filed in Philadelphia Common Pleas Court charges the bar and Zubel with negligence and loss of consortium. Plaintiff Michael Connor has been damaged in that he has been, and will continue to be, depraved of the aid, comfort, companionship services and consortium of his husband, the lawsuit states. Well, that's not very nice, white boy Malcolm X. He talks about the services of his husband. Makes his husband sound like a prostitute. The couple seeks more than $50,000 in damages, according to the lawsuit. Well, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. 
So let me see if I get this right, White Boy Malcolm X, because I want to make sure I have these narratives. So the police narrative is this drunk chick and this queen got into a fight at the bar, and he, like, scratches her neck and pushes her away. And that's the police the police version of the story. And then he, then he left, and she declined to get medical attention. His version of the story is she's running around the bar, drunk and screaming like a typical fag hag at a bar. <laughs> and then she just, like, randomly attacks him out of nowhere and kicks him in the knee, and he falls, and his hands are nowhere to be seen. He just smashes his face into the ground, and he's damaged for life, and... Now we can't have sex. I guess, you know, it doesn't work down there anymore. <laughs> it broke. His penis broke as well. And so now they want $50,000 in damages. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Louis and Michael, don't go out to bars. Don't get drunk. And, you know, don't sue the stupid... Of all things to do, sue the bar over you and this chick getting into it. It's about as dumb as it gets. But that's what you get in Philadelphia, I guess. Speaking of which, speaking of humorless, nasty transgenders, this is from The Hill. Actor John Cleese was met with swift backlash on social media after he tweeted Sunday he is not that interested in issues regarding transgender people given other problems facing the world. I'm afraid I'm not that interested in trans folks, Cleese tweeted after one of his followers asked his thoughts on J.K. Rowling's comments attacking the transgender community. I just hope they are happy and that people treat them kindly. The Monty Python star pivoted to other issues. Right now, I'm more focused on threats to democracy in America, the rampant corruption in the UK, the appalling British press, the revelations about police brutality. Now, White Boy Malcolm X. I just want to, before we continue farther on this article, I just want to make sure. So John Cleese is sitting there minding his own business on Twitter, and someone asked him about J.K. Rowling's comments, and what did he say? He's not that interested in talking about it. He hopes they're happy. He hopes people treat them kindly, but he's more interested in things like democracy in America, rampant corruption, blah, blah, blah. Correct? So I, I heard nothing in there that was negative. <laughs> well, well, yes, he didn't put transgender rights first, right? He should have put them first, and I think that's what the issue is here. But he didn't say anything overtly negative. He did not call for violence against transgender or call them... He did not call them names like the transgender community calls feminists. He doesn't. He didn't call them a tranny or anything like that. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. So here it is. Cleese received hundreds of replies to his tweet with users accusing him of insensitivity. And this is one of those... Uh, this is from Jonathan Van Ness. And he's just... I think he's on one of these gay shows... One of these designers just, I don't know who this this little queen is. I, I know the name. I just, I couldn't tell you what he did. Try being a trans, non-binary, or gender non-conforming person, especially black and brown ones, alone in a rural town or anywhere in the world. The at J.K. Rowling and at John Cleese of the world could never. So cruel to constantly punch down on a marginalized group of people. Jonathan, girlfriend. Jesus Christmas. John Cleese said absolutely nothing negative about them. He did not punch down about anything. The only thing he didn't do was make say, you know, transgender rights are the the only issue facing the world today. Everything else is just a sideshow. It's all about transgender rights. People are like, what about climate change? No, no, transgender rights. What about what about Trump and he's trying to steal the election? No, transgender rights. Oh, you know. So and of course they continue on. 
Rowling was hit with a similar backlash in June after she questioned the transgender community for erasing the concept of sex. And you know what she said? This is interesting. If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. JK, yes it is. Yes, it is. Well, that is it, folks. Those are the 20 stories I promised you from August through the end of November. I hope you had a good time and enjoyed listening to those uh, those repeats. And I hope to put something like this together again in the future. Um, in the meantime, uh, we will be back here again on Sunday. Um, hope you all have a great uh, holiday for those of you that celebrate. Uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer on the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on today's game. If either team hits a three-pointer, you'll win $200 in free bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. Just use bonus code CHAMPION200 when you make your bet. BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA, and there's endless ways to make it rain with the king of sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use bonus code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if a three-pointer is made in today's game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. and Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.